Welcome to the Life Changing Principles Podcast, where we take a new principle every week and explore how it changes our lives. I'm Leanne Hunt, ready to jump into today's principle. Today we're talking about compassion in the moment. Compassion has to happen right in the moment when someone's suffering, not later on when they don't need it anymore. And so being in the moment really matters in compassion. I've been thinking about what that means to be in the moment. Have you ever learned how to do something like in a relationship skill or a relationship class or an assertiveness class or some kind of thing where you're like, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this new thing in my life. And then when you get to the moment, it passes by and five minutes later, you're like, oh, I should have used my new skill. I forgot about that. You don't even recognize that the moment was there to use your new skill. Or maybe like you recognize the moment and you're like, ooh, can hang, freeze right here. I got to go get my notes. I know there's a thing I'm supposed to do here, but I can't remember what it is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And so you got to run over it. I mean, you don't actually do this, but you kind of want to go just freeze the moment, go get your notes, remember how to do it, and then try your new skill right there in the moment. That's really our aim for this semester of compassion is to learn how to develop and how to pull up and call up our compassion in any given moment. And that's why learning about compassion involves learning skills and practicing them ahead of time because we need to be able to call them up in the moment. That means we have to actually know how to do them and recognize when and where to use them. So we do a lot of role-playing, a lot of practicing, a lot of mindfulness so that you can be aware of what's happening right now in this moment and bring yourself to the present moment. Have any of you seen the movie Mom's Night Out? This is like almost a Mother's Day tradition for our family. On Mother's Day, we love to watch this one because it just kind of captures what it's like being a mom. And it reminds us to give ourselves some self-compassion and to take a little break. And so in Mom's Night Out, she's a little mommy blogger and she starts writing about her little mommy blogging life and she starts getting frustrated. And all of a sudden, she starts getting carried away in her mind of what's happening in this moment of what's ever with the kids. And she just has what she calls, quote, a moment. And in that moment, everything kind of falls apart. It's totally hysterical. We all have moments like that. We have them ourselves and we also recognize them in other people. We see other people having these little moments, these moments of negative emotions or of pain or of suffering or of frustration or whatever it is that helps us to recognize this is a moment. In Buddhism, all of these moments that are causing us difficulty or discomfort are called suffering. And I know that that's kind of a big heavy word. It might be normally applied to something really big or long-term or chronic, but really these little tiny mommy blogger moments where things just fall apart are actually moments of suffering. And when we can acknowledge them as that and give ourselves compassion for that, then we're able to move through it in a better way. I just don't want you to discount the things that you're going through as not suffering because they might seem small. They are. They're little moments of suffering. So the first thing that's got to happen in this moment of suffering that everybody on the planet experiences from time to time is to recognize that it's actually happening right now. Like, oh, I'm having one of those moments. This is a moment of suffering. This is hard for me right now. Or if it's about somebody else, this seems hard for them right now. So you recognize that they're having a moment that's difficult for them. 
In that moment when we recognize a little piece of suffering, we have the choice to either turn toward it and embrace it or to turn away from it. Now, there's a lot of reasons to do both. There's a lot of reasons to turn away from difficult things. Sometimes we don't want to have the conflict. Sometimes we don't want to feel our own emotions. We're afraid we're going to get carried away and sucked in by it. Sometimes if it's another person suffering, we don't know how to alleviate it. We don't know what it feels like. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. And it feels awkward and uncomfortable. We might be angry about it because the person seems to have brought it upon themselves and we might be willing to do anything about it. And we just want to turn away and walk away from it. Or it might be too gruesome for us. It might be too just utterly difficult to see someone else suffer or even to see our own selves suffer. And we turn away from our own selves and not face it. However, if we do want to stay in this moment of suffering, to look at it, to embrace it, to hear it out, to see what's happening, to really sit with it, to be with it, if we want to do that, there's a few things that need to be in place in order for us to be able to do that. So the first thing that needs to be in place, I'm going to call common humanity. Common humanity is the sense that we're all in this together. Everyone goes through things like this. I'm not the only one who's ever had this experience. They're not the only one who's ever had this experience. And when we realize that we're not the only ones on the planet that have had this experience, a lot of things happen in that moment. First of all, it reduces the shame and the blame. It's not like, ah, oh, everything's my fault, or why did they do that? Instead of shaming and blaming, we just accept that this is a part of life. This is normal. This happens to everybody. If you can, in the moment of suffering, engender the idea that you're not alone, it actually changes your biology. Psychologists have done this. They've actually reminded people of their common humanity. They've reminded them they're not alone. They've reminded them that they're part of something bigger than them or a part of a group. And it changes how they respond to pain and other biological markers. It's also related to recent research that's been done on loneliness. There was a longitudinal study, I think it was about a decade, by a researcher from Brigham Young University. And she found that loneliness it has a greater influence on mortality than does smoking or hypertension. So if you think about how we think don't smoke because it's going to kill you or watch your stress and your hypertension, because if you stay stressed out like that, you're going to have a heart attack. And you're going to die sooner. Both of those things are true. You will die sooner if you have a lot of hypertension or if you smoke. But what most of us don't know is that you will also have a higher chance of dying sooner if you are on the extreme ends of loneliness, if you're very lonely and don't have a lot of connection. They've found that this can happen a lot with the elderly. So not only is the connection itself important, but if you can remind yourself in the moment that you're not alone, even if you don't have your friends sitting next to you, if you can remind yourself that you're a part of the human race, that you're a part of humanity, and that being a part of humanity means that you're not alone in this, that other people have experienced this too, it changes how your body reacts to things. So if we wanna have this moment and be able to sit with the suffering in that moment and do something about it, first of all, it helps to have that sense of common humanity that we're not in this alone. 
The second thing that we need is a sense of equanimity. Equanimity means a sense of calm and solidness and not getting carried away by what's happening. If we're experiencing a difficult moment, we can easily get carried away by our thoughts and our emotions. We just start thinking about what has been or what could be, and we get fears and worries and and anger, and all of these things get wrapped up in us, and we get carried away by them instead of being able to pause for a moment watch it happening. It's not like you can just stop the emotion or freeze the anger or stuff it down. We don't want to stuff it away. We want to bear witness to it and sit with it for a few minutes without getting carried away by it. And there are skills that we can actually practice to do that. So that's a second element of a moment where if we can build this equanimity, this solidness and this calmness within us, then things are going to go better we're going to be able to call up our compassion and act with compassion towards ourselves and others in this moment. The same thing happens when other people are upset. When other people are upset, sometimes if we don't know how to keep ourselves grounded and solid and have our own sense of self, we can avoid getting involved because we know we're going to get swept up into it. We feel their emotions so deeply that we become part of their problem and and enmeshed with that. The third thing that we need in order to sit with and be a part of and face suffering without turning away from it is we need a sense of wisdom. From the Buddhist perspective, wisdom is gained by experience and by deep listening and being there. Wisdom doesn't mean you're smart. It's not about intelligence. Wisdom means that you've spent the time and opened yourself to this other person and listened deeply enough that you begin to understand what's actually happening for them, what it's like for them. And when you listen that deeply and you understand what it's like for them, then you can see alternatives and actions that they can take or that you can take or that the conversation can take, directions the conversation can take. You see that in a way you didn't see it before because you didn't know what they were experiencing before you began to listen deeply. And so being able to tap into that wisdom changes the moment for everybody. And it's kind of a hard thing to do because wisdom isn't about knowing what to do. It's about being willing to sit with the uncertainty of not knowing what to do, to listen deeply and to let the solutions unfold and they will present themselves. It's kind of like going on a journey where You walk into the woods and you see new things. And then you walk a little further and you see new things. As you walk through a compassionate conversation, the more that you talk with and sit with and listen deeply to this person, the more you understand about them and you see new things that you didn't see before. That's why you don't know at the beginning really what to do in order to have compassionate action to help this person. You don't know what to do at the beginning because You can't see that terrain until you walk into the conversation further and deeper. And it doesn't mean that every right, miraculous, magical answer for what to do is going to appear, but new ideas will appear. And as you explore those and try those, then you can pay attention and say, was that helpful? Did that work? If it wasn't helpful, then you've learned something and added to your wisdom. We'll be talking a lot about skills and how to develop those skills that help us in these moments of compassion. But the very first thing we need to understand is this framework that recognizing that this is a moment of difficulty, pain, or suffering is the first step. 
ah, this is hard for you. I get this. And it's not always easy to recognize. You might have a kid who's upset about something and you're just frustrated that they won't do what you need them to do. And when you can turn it around and say, ah, this is a moment of difficulty, frustration, and suffering for them. I wonder what's going on. We can open ourselves to more curiosity and change that whole dynamic of that moment because now we see, ah, that's a moment of suffering. This is difficult. This is frustrating. I need to call upon my my skills and my compassion for them and my self-compassion in this moment rather than just getting frustrated with them. And the same thing can happen for ourselves. When we're frustrated, instead of getting down on ourselves or trying to control ourselves, we can recognize that this is a moment of difficulty and hardship for us and that we can say, this is hard for you right now and take care of ourselves in a moment of self-compassion. Once we recognize that this is a moment of suffering either for ourselves or for another person, we then can call upon these three skills that we're going to develop and to recognize that there's a common sense of humanity, that we're all in this together, that we're not alone. So we can let go of the shame and the blame because everybody has moments like this. This is no big deal. This is normal. This is human. I have permission to be human. And then the second one where we have some equanimity, where we can be calm and still and chill and unmovable like a mountain to say, I don't need to get carried away by my own thoughts and emotions, nor do I need to get carried away by other people's thoughts and emotions. And there are specific skills that we can develop and practice to do that, to be able to remain calm in the face of difficult situations. And then the last one is this piece of wisdom that comes not only from our past experiences and paying attention to how humans work, but also being in that moment, being open and curious and paying attention, listening deeply to the other person. And I would add listening deeply to ourselves. When we're having a difficult time, we can listen to what all the different parts of us are saying. Maybe part of us wants to go. Maybe part of us doesn't want to go. And there are reasons for all those parts to want to go or not want to go or to feel happy or sad or shame or frustration or anger in that moment. If we'll take those different parts of us and listen deeply to them as well, then we can stay in that moment of compassion. We can sit with that suffering. We can sit with that difficult situation and we can move through it. And now that we have a framework, as we begin to learn individual skills that help us to be calm or help us to be mindful or help us to be open to other people's feelings and emotions and be able to ask them questions and to be able to listen deeply or to be able to realize that we're all in this together, as we have different practices to remind us of those things or teach us how to do those things. Now you have a framework to hang it on to understand why we want to do all of those practices, why we want to learn to listen, why we want to learn to be calm, why we want to get a little bit of distance and learn how to get a little bit of distance from our thoughts and our feelings. And as we introduce these practices, now you have a framework to hang them on and they make sense. It's all a part of learning how to be compassionate in a moment with others and with ourselves. It takes some time to develop, but it is so worth the effort. Thanks for being here and taking a little time out of your busy life for personal development. I applaud you for that. We take change one step at a time. You're already on your way. You're already enough. You've got this. Have a great week and we'll see you for the next principle.